You're listening to So Much Pingle, the podcast about herpetology, field herping, and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles. Join us each week as Mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet. And now, bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone, here's your host, Mike Pingleton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Mike Pingleton here, and I am your host for these proceedings. It's the week of the Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S., and I hope you all remain safe and healthy. And uh, if you're traveling this week, I wish you a safe journey. Uh, I've got a uh, 20-pound turkey thawing in the fridge, and uh, I'm going to spatchcock that sucker and uh, throw it on my pellet smoker. So that's my favorite kind of bird watching right there. Okay, before we get to episode 52, I want to take a minute to thank all of the show's patrons including our newest Patreon supporter, Alicia Ballard. Thank you so much, Alicia. I say it all the time, but it it really is true. This show could not keep rolling along without the generosity of its patrons. And I am so grateful. And if you're out there listening and you'd like to kick in a few bucks, uh, you can do so via Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash so much pingle and so much pingle is all one word. You can also make one-time contributions via PayPal or Venmo. Just drop me an email to so much pingle at gmail.com for more details. So once again, I am home from another herping trip, uh, possibly the last one of the year, uh, but, you know, who knows? You know how that goes. Uh, I was down in South Texas uh, along the border, and I saw some cool herps down there, including my lifer Texas indigo, which I'm very happy about. And uh, I got to see a really nice Texas coral snake one morning. And, oh, yeah, I also got some great photos of speckled racers, you know, the uh, Drymobius margaritiferus. And now, I've seen these snakes before in South Texas, but the only good photos I have of them are on film. Yeah, that's right, film. Uh, so it's been a while. So I was happy to get some nice photos with my modern camera, and uh, maybe I'll go back in 20 years or so to uh, take you know 3D photos or x-rays or CAT scans or whatever the next technological camera leap brings. I also spent uh, my first couple days attempting to photograph aquatic turtles at various places around South Texas you know, soft shells and some of the gorgeous red ears down there. And the days just happened to coincide with a big birding festival down in the Rio Grande Valley. So everywhere I went, I ran into crowds of birders or hordes of birders. There were a lot of birders down there. And now I have my long lens on my camera for shooting turtles, and it's good for lizards as well. And, uh, you know, I have that on a hip lock and I have my binoculars or, to, you know, so I could spot turtles. Uh, so everyone thought I was just another birder. You know, but maybe a uh, a slightly grubby and smelly birder, but, you know. But, you know, the birders are very nice folks. And uh, some of them would ask me things like, did you see the warbler? And I'd say, well, yes. Yes, I did. And in some cases, it was true. Because when you get a crowd of birders all pointing their binoculars at one spot, and, you know, they're all ooing and eyeing, there's this general feeling of ecstasy in the air. You know, well, I'm going to go take a look, too, and see what all the excitement is about. So I saw some cool birds that way. But anyway, it was fun to be an undercover herper infiltrating the birder crowd for a couple of days. I actually did a good bit of South Texas birding back in the day. uh, And so it was good to visit again with some of my favorite birds from down there. Things like uh, the green jay and Harris hawks, which are really cool. uh, Chachalacas and uh, the the, uh, the black-bellied whistling ducks, which are just gorgeous birds. Now let's get to this week's episode. So I made a trip to Florida in October, ostensibly to do some herping, and I had a great time with that. But I 
also scheduled an interview while I was down there. And, and so I spent one very fun evening with Dick Bartlett and his wife, Patty, along with Jake Scott. Now, if you've spent any time at all in the world of amphibians and reptiles, you know about Dick Bartlett. And many of you have at least one of the many books put out by Dick and Patty over the years. And while I was dreaming up this podcast back in 2019, I knew back then I wanted to get Dick and Patty on the show as guests. And I wanted to get Jake involved as well, since uh, he and Dick travel a lot together. And I, I felt the three of them would play off each other during the conversation. And uh, I think you'll agree that my intuition was spot on in that regard. Uh, now, there's some bumps and thumps in the recording as we all had to share two microphones. And it probably bothers me more than it bothers you. But I'm you know, hoping to upgrade that with, over the holidays with some additional equipment. But uh, but sitting at the kitchen table and talking herps with Dick and Patty and Jake for a couple hours was an amazing experience. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. He was like, I don't know who this Mike Singleton character is, but I am definitely not doing an interview with him. Well, I don't hear from Mike enough to know him. You know, he's, he goes out here and he, he, he cohabits with Daniel Dye and, yeah, well, and doesn't come to see you or me. You know, yeah, it's, I know, I know. It's disappointing. <laughs> Ouch. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, well I, well, I can't even explain that I didn't have enough time. I drove down. I drove all the way from Illinois. So, so. two long days? Yeah, yeah. How was traffic? Were people behaving like sapient beings or were they doing jerky stuff? Um, yes and yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Oh, I had a great interview, Mike. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Take the cookies. Yeah. You want to go to Sonny's for lunch? <laughs> if they're open at well, 7 for lunch. Uh, <laughs> Dick, Dickie's the early bird special, so. Uh, okay. Well, uh, what I'll do is I'll just I'll just start it off. Um, we're already recording. I usually like to shrink things down. but uh, So we're sitting around uh, the kitchen table. Or is this the dining room table? I'm yes. Not sure. Multi-purpose table. More multi-purpose table in... Uh, the home of uh, Dick and Patty Bartlett, and uh, also with us today is Jake Scott, and uh, we're just going to have a, a conversation today. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to get put on my interviewer hat here and uh, and pretend I know what the heck I'm doing here. But uh, one of the things, well, a lot of people, if they don't know you, Dick, they know about you, or uh, they've read your one of your books, or you know, you're you're a familiar name, but. Uh, for me, uh, I, one of the things that I'm really curious about is, how the heck did you get started with this? I mean, you, you're a kid in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, in Massachusetts, in Springfield, Massachusetts. And I think the first herp that I really remember was a Fowler's Toad. I was about three and a half or four years old, and he was my sandbox playmate. Wow. Okay. So not a cat. It was a toad. Well, we had dogs, but my parents never had cats. Or seldom had cats because we had dogs that didn't like cats. So if we got a cat, it didn't last long. <laughs> but the toads, the toads on the toad, the toad lasted. Okay. So that was it. And so you, you were just sort of from there. You were, you know. Uh, when I was uh, growing up, I there was a good bus system in uh, Massachusetts, and I used to get on the bus and go from one place to another, or get on my bike and go one place to the other. And we lived very close to uh, a well-known mountain whose name I won't mention at this time uh, that had a thriving population of copperheads, northern copperheads, 
and a smaller population of timber rattlesnakes. Oh, wow. And so those were two of my playmates when, uh, when I was growing up. Uh, I could get on the bus and go over to, uh, to the edge of the mountain, then walk up a pathway and be right there amidst what I wanted to be amidst. Herping by bus. Herping by bus. Or by bicycle. But you also had a teacher friend who... That was, was later on. That was uh, Gordy Johnston, right. Okay. We can talk about that, but we can also talk about uh, Dr. Seuss. Well, what about Dr. Seuss? You seem to be the one that's talking about him. <laughs> but actually, Geisel, you know, right? You actually, him. Ted Geisel um, was Dr. Seuss's father, and he was a park commissioner in Springfield. And uh, through Dr. Seuss, I or through uh, Ted Seuss, I got to uh, got to meet Dr. Seuss, and it uh, worked out very well. He was rather interested in little beings. Uh, not necessarily reptiles and amphibians, but little mammals. And he spent some time at the local zoo, which was Forest Park. And I met him on several occasions there. So does this explain some of the characters in the Dr. Zeus books? <laughs> you, you might. You. <laughs> I refuse to answer. <laughs> Dick speaks for the trees. <laughs> oh, the Lorax. Okay. <laughs> All right. Does he not look a little like him? <laughs> Oops. Got a full intermission here. Cut. Yeah, I can cut that. Yeah, you can. No, you or don't. I can continue on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's out there. Sometimes she walks out the door and just keeps going. So I never know. I'll I'll track her down. Robo call. It's pointless to talk to them. Robots are the world. Yeah. Um, so herping by bus and Doctor Zeus. It sounds like you were off to a um, auspicious start. Yeah, Doctor Zeus's name, of course, was Ted Geisel. Right. And. Uh, but uh, Forest Park was my home away from home. There had a lot of little open ponds there that were filled with uh, Midland and uh, Eastern Painted Turtles and uh, Eastern sna uh, Northern Snapping Turtles, uh, Stink Pots or Common Musk Turtles. So there was always something for me to do, and they had little paddle boats that you could take and uh, go around Porter Lake and see what you wanted to see around there. We lived right next to a small pond that uh, Jefferson salamanders and spotted salamanders uh, emerged in the spring and uh, frequented. So I had a pretty well, a pretty broad uh, view of, of wildlife in the area. We also had pet woodchucks and pet uh, raccoons and pet opossums and a little bit of everything. So that kind of explains... Uh the, the pet rabbit and the pet mud jack and the... <laughs> the pet rabbit, I have to say, was my doing. Oh, okay. Um, I got a call from a publisher who said, what do you know about rabbits? And having never, ever held one, I said, I know everything there is to know about rabbits. How can I help you? <laughs> she said, well, send me a proposal for how to train your rabbit. So that's how I got started in rabbits. <laughs> she did the same thing with hamsters, Mike. I, I, she said she had never had a pet hamster. And uh, I said, well, you know, everybody needs a pet hamster. So we went to a uh, flea market. Flea market. And there was a pet hamster there. And she came back with it. Uh, and then she came back with six more. <laughs> and eventually we wound up with a, with a total of 114. <laughs> and, we use one of those rodent racks, you know, stack rodent racks like yeah. you use for raising mice. 
Well, and we had hamsters. And then she wrote a, wrote a book on hamsters, on keeping hamsters. So yeah, it worked out well. Good yes. I'm going to I'm gonna hold that because I want to get back to this, this book Childhood. writing business. Yes. And, and I, I do want to touch base on that. Um, her, herping by bus uh, and then uh, bicycle and, and things like that. And you were a big birder back then too, right? I, mean, I was. You know, As a matter of fact, I used to have um, long discussions with the school teachers and even the superintendent of the school and who uh, insisted that I should be in school at this time rather than sitting on a hill looking at uh, morning warblers or Blackburnian warblers or something such as that. And I never could agree with them. So, <laughs> so, so suspended. Yeah, Dick didn't go to school much. I didn't go to school much. And that's why my page on Facebook says a kindergarten dropout. <laughs> In those days, you know, if you didn't show up, you just didn't show up. There was not the system that's in place today okay. for tardyism and, tru and truancy. On the run at an early age. <laughs> <laughs> and never stopped. So eventually, eventually you, you, um, you're old enough to get a driver's license and then you can do more things. Which I did do. And I had a very good friend who I met at that time, and that was E. Gordon Johnston, Gordy Johnston. Uh, who was a school teacher in Springfield, Massachusetts, and eventually moved down to Ringwood, uh, New Jersey. But uh, he was—he uh, took over the Trailside Museum in Forest Park when the director at the time uh, resigned from it. And uh, Gordy and I got along very well. And I think I was 13 years old, and uh, I managed to get a very interesting snake from him, which was a... Uh, a himihabu, a Japanese venomous snake, and my parents let me have it, uh, so uh, I, I kept that for many, many years, and uh, I never could understand why, but I did, and uh, that was after, of course, I had the baby skunks that kept my mother locked in a closet while I was out of the house. <laughs> they were not deodorized, and but they were very friendly, but they didn't care for her very much. <laughs> and Jay could tell you more about a later skunk. That's, yeah, that's not that's not for another story, I think. <laughs> oh, jeez! Okay. All of a sudden, I don't know where to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, the best kind of interview. And he moved out of Massachusetts. Which, which, but you took a lot of trips down to. Uh, on Easter down to South Carolina. We did. We Gordy and I used to go down to South Carolina to Okatee Wildlife Refuge, uh, and that was a uh, hunt club. And at that time, everybody was welcome, and there were many, many uh, varieties of snakes there that I would never see in uh, New England. So we went down there looking for corn snakes and succeeded, and canebrake rattlesnakes, which they now call timber rattlesnakes in total error. <laughs> and uh, that is, uh, we, we saw just a, a lot of everything while we were out there. And we'd go down every Easter, have a good time doing it. And uh, eventually, Gordy and I started going down to Florida. And we'd hunt along old Route 27, which was then a two-lane road uh, lined with uh, Australian pines. And in those Australian pines were ever so many Everglades rat snakes which is another form that they no longer recognize in error. And, <laughs> uh, I have to agree with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
But uh, and uh, from there, Gordy and I also went out to Terlingua and um, Studi Butte, Texas. Uh, looked around, and I caught my first uh, uh, Blair's King with he and, and Denny uh, Miller and uh, Pete Mooney, as a matter of fact. And uh, then uh, we also got, um, uh, I went blank. Well, you caught that Blair's, what did you find? In a, in a yeah, cattle he was, oh, yeah, he was in a cattle guard. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I went, uh, the, uh, the little rattlesnake, the... Uh, Lepidus. The, yeah, the Lepidus, the, the rock rattlesnake. And I caught the first one of that right next to Bill Chamberlain's uh, gas station in a small canyon. And then we were managed to find another one and another uh, Blair's King, which at that time was Blair's King, uh, rather than just Alterna. And uh, that was over in the Pandale Road. So we did a lot of, of horsing around and a lot of uh, looking for reptiles and amphibians. And I guess I liked it. I went to work for Delta Airlines and uh, started going down to Mexico with Ron Sayers and um, looking at various reptiles and amphibians in Oaxaca and uh, Colima and uh, Michoacan and just various all other places down there and have continued to this day. What kind of car was that in? Took it- that was in a Austin Healey Sprite. <laughs> what are you, some kind of secret agent or something? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he's like a secret agent Herper. <laughs> Which generally worked. Uh, yeah, which generally worked. Of course, one time it did decide to die down there, and the flywheel uh, broke off. The belt driver had broken in half, so the Mexican mechanics made us a hammered-out uh, side to the or other side to the flywheel uh, out of a tin can, actually a galvanized uh, barrel, fifty-five gallon drum bolted it on there, and it worked for the next uh, 20 years. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. How about restrictions for bringing animals into the United States then? Any there was no hassle at all. It was entirely legal to bring animals so back. So you bring back two or three items? At least. We brought back two or three items on each trip we went, and among them were uh, shovel-nosed tree frogs um, and uh, uh, balsams, tortoises, and Various other wow. things. Wow. Different time. Yeah. yeah, it really was a different time back then. And and going to Mexico, uh, I mean, nowadays when people, you know, I mean, I go to Mexico all the time now, but uh, people think about about herping in Mexico and they, they may they go, oh, I don't know if I want to go down there. You know, it was a completely different uh, situation back then, wasn't it? It certainly was. It was a very wide open country. Everybody was, uh, was wonderful to us. Um, the... Um, we went down and uh, stayed with Miguel Alvarez del Toro for uh, a couple of days down in Chiapas and uh, got to go into some of his favorite herping spots looking for eyelash vipers and uh, uh, Xenosaurus, and I've forgotten whatever their common name may be. Ooh, I just saw one of those. Uh, Did you? Yeah. In Veracruz this year. Uh, this one, the one we got was uh, Xenosaurus grandis. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the one we got. Those things look like uh, Godzilla or something. They do. They look like a gecko uh, crossed with Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So was Chiapas about as far south as you, as you got it? Did you go further south? That was as far as we as Ron and I went. 
Patty and I went down to Costa Rica. She was on her honeymoon, and I was on my uh, collecting trip. <laughs> I've never forgotten that since. Neither is <laughs> she. Neither is she. That's right, Jake. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. Uh, and, and you're not from Massachusetts, so... You, Oh, when that, did you guys when did you guys meet? Was it here in Florida or? Yeah, it was in St. Pete. Um, I always liked reptiles, always. And to my, to my mother's dismay, since she was from Savannah, and no lady ever liked snakes. Uh, but my sister gave me a garter snake that had 16 babies, which delighted me and appalled my mother. But when I got out of college, I decided I was going to do reptile stuff. So I found the Reptile Club in St. Pete because I was working for a publisher there. And what did you do before that? You're talking about my gecko? No, I'm talking about Ross Allen. Oh, my first job out of college was working uh, for Ross Allen. That's what? what got me to Florida. Yes. Yes. And so I lived in his place, three small cabins, hotel cabins connected by a breezeway. Uh, I worked with him for a couple of months and I got inherited by his publisher. And then I worked for a great outdoors publishing and that was when I met Dick. Uh, the reptile club meeting. I didn't know there were reptile clubs. I never had seen a reptile club as a kid. I would have been beyond delight to find a reptile club. And so that's where I met Dick. And it went downhill from there, right? <laughs> we're almost at the bottom of that hill. <laughs> I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> so when I, when I was a kid in the, in the early 70s, you could write to Ross Allen and, and you could get a, like a price list and you would sell like corn snakes by the foot. right. And, and indigo like, snakes, probably. Yeah, indigos. And then you could get like a care sheet. Oh, yeah. Could, he would put together these care sheets for different things. And you could order your, your six and a half feet of yellow rat snake and then get a care sheet for it, too. That's pretty and exciting for a kid. Oh, man. It was, it was Like better than Christmas. And how did you arrived. get them shipped to you then, Mike? Through the mail, I think. I, no. I no, I think they went through the airport. Right? They, they, they a, did. You know, the Railway Express. Railway Express Company. And they were the major shipper of mammals, birds, uh, reptiles, and amphibians. Occasionally, you could get something sneaked through the Postal Service, but that was not really uh, looked upon with great favor. Yeah, the, the, day, of, the day of printed mailing lists where it was fun. Of shopping Ooh, lists, yeah. you know, of those old, those old, those old sheets yeah. from... Ding Zoos, and from every small business person in Florida. Ellie Thompson, Bill Chase, uh, you can name it, uh, Louie and uh, Joe at the Shed. Yeah. And uh, they're just Almost as good as Christmas looking at the list to see what's available. Yes. Ralph Curtis was out there with Wild oh, Cargo. Gosh. Ralph and I were friends before Dick and I got married. Right. And you moved, you moved to Florida for work, or do you move to Florida because Florida? I moved to Florida with a company called Aquarium Supply Company, who I had started working for up in New Jersey. And I went down uh, as uh, one of the managers for their nationwide tropical fish sales to five and dime stores. And uh, we spent I spent several years with them, about 10 years, as a matter of fact, and then went to work for Delta Airlines. Okay. And so that brought you to Florida. That's what brought you down. Right, that's what brought me down. And uh, I, Patty and I moved back to Massachusetts for a couple of years in nineteen latter, latter part of the 1970s. And uh, then she wanted to come back to Florida. We had moved up to Asheville, North Carolina, which I thought was a very beautiful place. And uh, Patty wanted to come back to Florida. So here we sit, brokenhearted. <laughs> How's the rest of it go? 
No. <laughs> oh boy, this is going to be a big editing job. <laughs> I say you just keep it all in. This works. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, so that's that's kind of amazing. Um, the time in the '60s and the '70s, there was a, like you you were talking about collecting trips, and nobody ever says that kind of thing anymore. We don't. We don't go snake collecting. When I was a kid, we would go snake hunting or snake collecting. Right. Whether we collected it or not, that's what we called it. Right. Um, and, and, and Dick still does say that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, but it's a different time because now people go out and do this. They never, they never bring anything home. They just take a picture of it and go home. So we hope. Like photos. Well, yeah. the yeah. thing is, Mike, that a lot of people do this surreptitiously still. Uh, if I go out on um, a cane break, uh, hunting trip. Um, I may see, if I'm lucky, one or two cane breaks. There's Maybe six ten. or seven if I'm there. Yeah, well, <laughs> that uh, the, the reason is that Jake doesn't know the difference between a cane break and a, and a copperhead or a cottonmouth. Makes life much better. It does. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, there'll be five or six cars with people with, with muslin bags grabbing water snakes and garter snakes and whatever they can see and taking them down to some of the Miami dealers. Oh. So it still continues. Still, yeah. Oh. So it's the, the Kirinderos, the folks that use them for medicine. No. They sell them to the dealers. So, oh, they sell them to the... Oh, I see. It's how okay. a teenage kid okay. can buy a tank of gasoline. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Some people pay for their trips through collecting snakes. This is true, yeah. Still. And it, it's, it's still... Again, it doesn't happen as much yeah. as it used to, but it still occurs. You know, people will pay however much money for something, but if you have a lot of something, you know, that may pay for more. Well, there, there's another thing to this that has to do, you, you know, you, you bring back, bring back a gray band king snake, 19, say mid sixties, you bring it home uh, and you've got to figure out how to feed it, what it's going to eat, how to take care of it, how to breed it. All these things that all these open-ended questions, nobody knows much of anything about, Animals like that, or you, you name it, whatever, uh, a tortoise or a boa or whatever. There's just not a lot of information about how to do that kind of thing. I mean, that, that was a lot different time back then, right? Trial and error. Trial and error. Trial and error, yeah. yeah. And uh, you looked at it and you said, Blair's king snake or gray-banded king snake? Okay, it's a king snake. We'll hope it's like a chain king, which was uh, more popular. Uh, so the chain king eats both uh, live uh, and dead animals, and they can be uh, vertebrate or invertebrate, uh, warm-blooded or cold-blooded. So you try your, your Blair's King on whatever you get there. Well, there wasn't much information available. I think Caulfield's Snakes, The Keeper and the Kept, was one of the first books I found that had mm -hmm. anything about how to keep snakes, and that wasn't much. And we met Caulfield down in Okatee on occasion, and um, Zig Lazinski and Bob Zapperlordi and uh, just a number of other people. And we learned, everybody passed information on to the next guy, and uh, you learned from somebody else's mistakes. That was the old social media. It's just social, social. Exactly just right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to believe it. And I'm on the tail end of this, but you would actually, you if you didn't, have somebody's phone number, you would write them a letter. Yeah. This is right. This is <laughs> that right. That was pretty and, standard operating procedure. And yeah. there were huge uh, herp clubs, like the Philadelphia Herp Society. Um, used to be uh, Barry and Norma Rothman were the um, runners of that thing, president and vice president and so on. 
and uh, everybody was a gung-ho collector, and everybody was willing to pass information, whatever it may be, on to somebody else. There was no secrecy. Meetings. Monthly and, meetings. Yes, they had at least monthly meetings, yeah. And well, a couple hundred people would show up. Well, that's amazing. I oh, mean, yeah. that's amazing. One, one of the things that struck me, you know, because, again, I'm sort of part of that, too. You know, I, when I, this is my 50th year, so I've been around for a little while, too. But when you're a kid, when I'm a kid coming up in the early 70s, you go to school, at home, you're the, you're the weird kid who likes snakes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So, oh, you, yeah. you know, my parents are like, what's wrong with this kid? I mean, where did I mean, we go you know, wrong? You know, yeah, exactly. They, yeah. they didn't, you know, it's not something that they could figure out. You go to school and you're like the weird kid at school. You go to a hurt meeting and you're with your normal friends. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with all the folks that are like me. So like it, people. Yeah. you go there for a couple hours and for a couple hours, it was an entirely different way of, of associating with other people. From social pride is socially accepted. 15 yeah. to 20 years ago, our annual meeting with the Gainesville Herb Society used to bring in well over 400 people from all over Florida and all over the United States and occasionally from international uh, areas. And uh, That's amazing. Yeah. yeah before yeah. the web. And yes, it was before the web. Wow. That's amazing. And so for anybody out here who thinks that uh, <laughs> they invented this. <laughs> not so not so people have always been interested in it but but it was it was in society it was different you you were an odd if you like snakes you were an odd duck and you know my my poor parents i mean i i, I you know i give them credit they try to understand but it, it's 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 some it's kind of outside the bounds of what they expect to have you know your children to be interested it's like in. you suddenly got tattoos or something where did this come from? <laughs> it's got to be your side of the family. It's not my side of the family. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's a, it was a different time then. We didn't have wildlife shows. We didn't have uh, uh, this basic education about wildlife that people carry or walk around with them, whether they realize it or not. You know, It's just not part of the landscape back then. So. Yep. This is all very true. And uh, now I have the uh, the page on Facebook that has actually right at 10,000 followers and friends. Uh, it's a herp page, basically, although I do put pictures of uh, mammals and birds and plants, whatever I feel like putting on there, mm -hmm. and talk about it with folks and uh, have a good time and exchange, hopefully, accurate information. Yeah, I think, um, I know. well, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy seeing what you're, what you're up to, and you usually post... Uh, you might post four or five pictures of a, a well, Florida box turtle or whatever whatever your whim is for that day. Um, so it, you never know what's going to come out of that. Uh, you know, so it's kind of fun to look forward to seeing what what you're going to post. And I think people like that too. Yeah, and Patty and I have managed to uh, publish, I think, fifty six books. Although she says a few more than that about reptiles, amphibians, and their care and. Uh, uh, we also have uh, field guides to Western United States on the snakes, lizards, and turtles, and frogs and toads, amphibians, uh, and to the Eastern United States, and a couple of specific books for Florida. So, how how did you guys get started on that? What how did how did that start for you? Dick was hired to do a book on terrariums. Our friend Bill Kenny didn't want to do it, so he said, "Let Dick Bartlett do it," and that's how it got started. 
And uh, then Patty and I got a call from a lady up in New Jersey who wanted a book on iguanas. And we said, well, we've had iguanas. We can do one for you. And we did that, and it expanded from that point on. And you remember the days when iguanas were considered pets? Green yes. iguanas? Yes. It became a whole new sub-industry. Oh, my gosh. Blues, albinos. I remember that as well. Most of us can show off the scars we have from bites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, one of the one of the things that I, that st- strikes me, I, I, I'm I'm aware you you have the the care books, like terrarium books, and how to yeah, I have some good you have some good. I have a number of them myself at home, and and they're really good books. But there was back in the day when I was with the St. Louis Herpetological Society for a while, I was the corresponding secretary, and I would get all the newsletters from the other societies, and I would answer all the mail and. And I would handle the memberships and I did all the stuff. And so every month I would get all the newsletters from the different societies. And one of the ones I w- would get would be Noah. Asked, notes from Noah. And uh, Noah is the uh, Northern Ohio Association of Herpetologists, correct? Right. And so uh, notes of Noah come in and it would, ha- it would have all the, the typical stuff you would see in a Herp Society newsletter. But there would be an article by you about some herp trip. And uh, notes I from the notes, from the, notes field. from the field with Reptiles Magazine. Yeah, and so you continue that with Reptiles Magazine. I had right. 15 years uh, writing monthly for reptiles, and I had probably 10 years or more with Noah on a monthly basis and just Noah's enjoying the whole bunch of it. So I, I'm not the only one that thinks or sa- has said this. I've talked to people about. Uh, and some of those stories have been collected in a, in a volume called uh, In Search of Amphibians and Reptiles, which uh, is a, a big, it's a big book for uh, her people. They love that book. And, and I'll talk to somebody and, and what they'll say is they'll say, I, I just like the way the book, each story opens. you like, it was a, it was a warm spring day. Easter weekend, and Gordy Johnston and I were chugging our way, da- uh, you know, down south towards the the you know, uh, the New Jersey Pine Barrens or whatever it was. But you always had this this nice flair for describing the scene. You you, you really put us, the reader, in that place, and, and in a different time, really, because it was a different time and place for that kind of thing. But I, I hear this not just from me and and one or two other people. I've heard this many times and people just love the way you describe those situations. And so where did, I mean, where did that come from? You just, na- is that a natural thing? I would guess it has to be Mike. I certainly had no training in it. He read a lot of early adventurers books like Osa Johnson and okay. uh, the ones behind him, Yolendo. I can't read. Yeah. A lot by Raymond Dittmars and by, he read um, them all. Yeah. You name it. Carl Caulfield's books. And, and by reading, and, as you well know, you model your life. You know, you read books by people you admire and you say, well, that's how they act here. That's how they act here. And you tend to form your life around the life you know of from the person in the book. Of course, none of those guys ever got divorced or in a car wreck or ran over a dog or anything. They just all had great lives. Um, the guy who married Alexander Graham Bell's daughter. Oh, the garden guy. Don't ask me. Fairchild? Fairchild, yes, Fairchild. George Fairchild married very well. He married Alexander Graham Bell's daughter. He had a custom-made junk, Chinese junk built, and he ventured into the world collecting plants. Okay. So we. So went what, who wouldn't like a life like that? Amphibians. So yeah. 
It's yeah. Okay. It could be translated. Yeah, I see. So that's the attraction. It's like, oh, I want, I want to have those experiences. Oh, yeah. Wonderful experiences in the yeah. wild with all these with plants or animals. And Dick Mars could turn a phrase too. He was, he was yeah. in his, you know, he was a newspaper man for a while, so he had that knack for, for turning a phrase and describing a scene too. So. Yeah, I grew up also with a an old naturalist by the name of Thornton W. Burgess, who lived in a beautiful house on a little trickling stream that he called Laughing Brook in Hamden, Massachusetts. And um, I was able to go down there and talk with him. He wrote many bedtime stories of uh, basically of mammals and birds, Jerry Muskrat, Little Joe Otter, uh, you name it. Everything had a name and everything was accurately portrayed, but in a friendly way. Uh, so a lot of this made a, a big difference to me, Mike. Okay. So it kind of stuck in your mind? or It did, yeah. as a matter of fact, yeah. Wow. Okay. So uh, flash forward, uh, it's one thing to write a, a book about iguanas. It's another thing to write a field guide. <laughs> uh, that, that's got to be, uh, to me, that's a tough assignment. I mean, that... That couldn't have been easy to write your first field guide. Well, the field guides were kind of an afterthought at, with the university. Uh, we did one with the Amazon, because as you know, right. uh, Patty and I started going down the Amazon um, on a fairly regular basis uh, with Devin Graham. And uh, uh, I put together a, uh, a book uh on the reptiles and amphibians that we saw down there over a period of about 10 or 15 years. And uh, from that point on, it was easy. Uh, the university was uh, was available and uh, the books were acceptable to them. So uh, we did, we decided to do it. I did not care for the way that they broke it up by snakes and then a second volume by lizards and turtles oh. and a third by amphibians. Uh, but um, uh, it all worked out well, and we were able to get uh, the United States covered. And fortunately, I had taken pictures at reptile and amphibian dealers uh, from as long as I can remember. And also traveling across the country, I started to know how to partially know how to use a camera. <laughs> and uh, then uh, uh, we had pictures of all of the known species and subspecies uh, that I was able to put together with the, with the text. So they, they, uh, Patty helped with all of this. Uh, she did most of the proofreading. And oh, the days of film, when you take an entire roll of film and not know if any picture turned out. Oh, yeah. Oh, and you yeah. get back from your Texas trip, and son of a gun. There you have paid for the developing on, what, six rolls of film and nothing, right. nothing works? Yeah. Oh, my word. I remember those days. I remember, you know, you get back, you get your, your packet of photos back. And I'd sit in a chair and I'd put a trash can, a little waste right. basket in front of me. <laughs> and they'd be like, nope, nope, nope. Uh, maybe. That one. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> nope, 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 maybe. <laughs> oh, man. It was uh, $60 for six rolls of film and $60 to get them uh, developed. That must yeah. have been horrible, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I had 135 the first trip I made to Amazon. 135, 36 exposure rolls. Oh, my gosh. Oof. That's what I said. I said, oh, my gosh. You've got to be kidding. Oh, God. He said, this was the Amazon. Yeah. Well, you couldn't understand. This is the Amazon. So 
How, how did you come to go to the Amazon the first time? What what? Uh, how did that come to pass? Well, I uh, went down there with uh, Bill Lamar and Green Tracks, and we. Uh, I decided I didn't care for the politics there, and uh, turned around and uh, had an opportunity to meet uh, Devin Graham, and at that time it was Albert Slugowski that had uh, started the uh, Amazon uh, trips that you and I are are now on or that you are on and I was on. Uh, so it just expanded from that point on. I made trips across the country talking to college students and uh, high, high school students about the uh, enjoyment of going on trips like this, seeing reptiles, amphibians, birds, and mammals. And uh, we, uh, we just went from that point on. He sold me. <laughs> you were easy. It took... It took a couple of years, but you think he can write a book with a pa paint a picture? He painted a picture every day in the car with me about how the, great the Amazon was. This is hardly anything more then, interesting than waking up in the Amazon. Uh, I don't regret it. <laughs> it's a high. Yeah, I don't regret it. Well, I, I remember um, we put together a, a Midwest Herp Symposium way back in the day. Um, in, in 1987, I think it was. And we invited you to come speak. And uh, you drove all the way up from Florida, but bless your heart. And you brought two slide projectors, and and we had two screens going. And you would you would just it was like it was like you gave us both barrels. That's correct. It was like boom, 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 back and forth these different pictures, and um, it, it you just kind of for at least to me you just kind of blew me away. I I had never seen. Yeah, you hear about the the boa in the Amazon or the the anaconda, and you were showing stuff I had never heard of. Uh, you know, just this awesome array of frogs and snakes and lizards, and it was like, oh, I, I got to do this. I got to go down there. And, and uh, of course, it took me a few years, but I, I think every so often I would either run into you or communicate with you, and you'd say, "When are you coming down, Mike?" And so you just kind of kept it kept uh, turned into screws a little bit, and eventually I did go down and. Uh, uh, 2011, I think, was my first trip down. So and every day was perfect. Absolutely, every day was perfect, and every evening was perfect. You know, we'd we'd come back and eat lunch, and then take a nap, and then go out again, and come back and eat supper, and then go out again. You remember those nights trying yeah. to find items in your flashlight when it's pitch black and these insects are singing so loudly you can hardly hear yourself think. And there's a rush down at the end of the trail, and they found something. Say, so, Segundo, there's an Amazon tree boa up there. Can you get it for me? <laughs> and up the tree, Segundo would go. He'd say, Si, senor dick. And uh, he'd go up the tree and come down bleeding with one hand holding the Amazon tree boa. The other one hoping that he was holding onto a limb that would get him down. And uh, we did that for years and years and years and had a great time doing it. Well, when you guys first started going down there, the facilities... We're small. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking what we call the, the field stations nowadays. Uh, Kerosene lights. Uh, there were no electricity at all. There was, as a female, there wasn't a mirror in the entire camp. Which really didn't bother me. Well, you comb your hair. You don't want to see yourself in the Amazon. I have no idea what I look like. And yeah. it didn't matter. <laughs> and, of course, outhouses. Who cares? Who would spend so much time in an outhouse anywhere? And showers outside. With a palisade fence around you, you look up at the stars. It was so gorgeous, and of course, nothing was heated. So you're showering in Amazon River water, so you don't shower a long time, and of course, you don't open your mouth. 
No, no gulps. But uh, the fun time was, was when we. It was breathtakingly beautiful. We got a we had a Patagonian Express come up and drop the temperature around the rainforest itself down to fifty six degrees, and uh, that lasted for two days. And uh, it was interesting because it was fifty six, where you could look up and see the sky, and then you walk into the rainforest, and it was still seventy eight to eighty degrees there. Holds the heat, and it held the heat. Patty found a twelve foot long uh, anaconda at that time, a green anaconda that had just eaten a uh, probably something the size of a capybara. Well, I didn't and, exactly find him. He's lying in a stream, impossible for him to move. It was it was so cold that poor little thing couldn't move. Poor little thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it did not want to be bothered. It well, was ready bother. to do battle. He was he was in sort of in trouble. And we found everything from that point on. We had uh, the ca uh, crocodile tegus and crocodile lizards and crocodiles themselves and caiman. Not crocodiles, actually. Remember Louisa, the laundress? Louisa? Louisa. Yeah. She asked me to give her a pair of long pants because it was so cold. She didn't have long pants. Nobody had long pants. Nobody had then, long yeah. pants. So, yeah, you bet I gave her my long pants. Wow. <laughs> Very, very. It was very different back then, but but nowadays uh, things are a little more modern. It's still rustic. You still uh, you still have outhouses and you still have uh, outdoor showers. But uh, uh, now you have mosquito netting and uh, you can uh, generators, generators and yeah. solar powers and, and things someone like else that. cooks for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys cooked for yourself back then. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> they always had a cooking crew, which always made no, the trip. They, they always you never had, had to cook. worry about what your next meal was coming from, even if it was individually rice, uh, wrapped slices of cheese and processed ham slices. Yeah. Hey, that's good enough. Yeah, you were in the Amazon, and it didn't matter what you ate as long as you sustained yourself. Yeah. And Devin was collecting mosquitoes off of his arms for some kind of a research project. Yeah, research project. Which and there were plenty of mosquitoes to to help them. So uh, this 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 was run. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story because this is run by Albert. It was started by Albert Lugoski, and uh, he and his wife and Margarita Tours was the name of it at that time. Yeah, and it was named after his wife Margarita. And uh, Albert decided he wanted to go into the wildlife tour business. Uh, he hired me to help him get the thing going. And, uh, we, Patty and I were going down, I guess we went down for 10 years plus. I went down for 15 or 20 years. Uh, I had had a, uh, knew a lot of the area because I had had a pet store a long time before and had gone through a lot of Colombia and uh, Peru and part of Brazil. Uh, collecting and uh, buying animals for the pet store, so uh, I was uh, I was relatively familiar with Iquitos and Leticia, and then Albert decided one day he wanted to go down the Putumayo River, in uh, on the border of Peru and Colombia, and he managed to get the big tour boat down there, and uh, took us for a week tour down on the Putumayo. Had a great time collecting. And looking at uh, discus uh, tropical fish, oh wow, and angelfish and various things, and finding reptiles and amphibians along the way. Holy cow! And then the and then got the boat back up. He got the boat up himself. We flew out. He hired a uh, the Peruvian Air Force 
to carry us down on a uh, seaplane and uh, landed in the in the Rio Putumayo. And uh, then we went, came back. They picked us up and we were brought us back to Iquitos and had a wonderful time doing it. I just want to point out that you. this is a very small club of people who have been able to hire out the Air Force of any country, period. That's a small club. I didn't think it was possible. I was pretty sure we were going to be kidnapped, but we weren't. And Albert had gone over into Colombia and talked with the guerrillas at that time, too. He had made a trip a week before we did, and uh, he made a few payoffs here and there and uh, assured that we were going to be able to not only land, but also to leave after we had landed. Uh, so it worked out. There was a lot of uh, lot of planning. Didn't we stay off of one side of the river? Yes, we could not go onto the Colombian side, okay. and uh, we stayed on the Peruvian side and had a wonderful time doing that. Wow, Albert sounds like uh, quite a character too. Albert is a character. It was a character, and I believe he still is. Uh, he's doing. I think he's about ninety or ninety-two years old now. Well, he's still going strong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. uh, he and his wife now have turned the the uh, whole company over to Devon, and it's whatever they're calling Amazon Echo Tours or whatever. Yeah, empty Amazon, empty Amazon Echo. Okay, Tours, Margarita yeah. Tours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, and we it, actually we had Devon on the show uh, when we went to Paraguay. Yeah, we did. Uh, uh, Devon came with us, and uh, so we great interpreter. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he, he did a great class. job. Yeah, he did. Uh, and of course, um, if you're out with Devin, you're going to be birding. Well, you're right about that. <laughs> whether you're a birder or not. So uh, it, was, it was great. He, uh, he showed us some, I mean, I saw some cool birds, but I saw more because Devin was there. Yeah. Devin's so. doctorate was on a tiny group of birds that were tinier than the group. Uh, they were an um, infinitesimal-sized uh, flycatcher in Costa Rica. Oh, wow. And uh, Myonectes was the name of him. And uh, he, uh, what did, what, where did Myonectes come from? We used it for something down there, Jake. And I don't remember. Well, it doesn't matter. I can't recall. God, that name sounds familiar to me. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <coughs> oh, that used to be Devin's uh, uh, email name. That's, okay. what That's what it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's quite a character. And he's, um, he's, he's been, uh, well, I, I have to say too that, um, and this is an opportunity just for me to, whether we're recording or not, but uh, I came down in 2011 as, as a paying customer. And uh, about the third day, it was the third day before I could speak, I think. I was in shock. I was in, well, I was overwhelmed and it was so amazing. And then I wouldn't shut up. And, and I, every day I'd be like, Dick, what's this? What's this? What's this frog? What was that again? And so I, I know I must have bugged the, the, the crap out of you, but uh, that's what we are there for. Yeah, you're a good field companion. But, uh, you carried your own weight the whole time, though. Well, then I came back two years later, and I'm like, I got to go back because I didn't see enough, and I, I went back, and uh, and uh, and then I I knew enough, I think, that I could I could help other people. Too. You did well. Yeah, and I, was, I was. I was on that trip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was a little handy, except for that incident where I put the tarantula in somebody. Well, we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a story that I can't tell on the microphone. It's Pickleton after dark. But uh, anyway, but other than that, it was it was. I like I really enjoy coming down here, 
And uh, so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to come down here every couple of years. But then um, I got invited to come down and, and be uh, uh, function as a guide. And, and I just, I want to say thank you so much for. You're very welcome. For, you were you know, recommending well, me and yeah, thank you. bringing me on board because it's. Uh, what a kick in the head for you. Oh, I mean, my man. gosh. <laughs> That's, I've, I've been so proud of you, though. Mike, you've done such a good job with it. You've been well, so you. conscientious. Yeah. And so careful. Uh, and yet you're a great field companion, well, except for that little know, incident with the tarantula. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's there's you, you realize there's a legacy of people that have done these trips for years and you don't want to mess that up. So you want to yeah. you know, do right by that. So well, that's true. Yeah. Good point. Um, but uh, yeah. So I, I, I totally appreciate it because it's, it's just meant the world to me to, to be able to go down. There. You deserved it so. immensely. And I'm, I'm glad that you accepted it. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Good so. hands. <laughs> uh, and, you, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you, you, you both, Patty and Dick, you both understand this. It, it, it's not a thing you get taught. You, you go down there 10 times, 15 times, 20 times. It's still, it's there's still magic. There's still, it's, it's, magic. it's a new experience on each and every trip down. Waking up to howler monkeys at dawn. Wow. Yeah. We had, uh, Lang Elliott with us on one trip, and he started every daylight out walking through the, the tent saying, quiet, I'm doing, stop snoring, I'm doing, hold it, uh, stop the noise, I'm doing, what was he doing? Recording. Recording. Recordings, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to see the trip through Lang's ears. Well, Lang Elliott is, I just want to point out too, is the guy who put together the uh, the book that, or the c collection of North American Amphibian calls. That's yes. right. Yeah. Toad, toad and frog calls. And he's got a good Amazon uh, trip, too, that he's uh, got the IDs on. and Very enjoyable. Wow. Okay. All right. So he... <laughs> the pause for the generators. The pause for the generators and the snores. <laughs> the snores. And... <laughs> wow. I didn't, I didn't know he had been down there. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, so you've run a lot of people through those tours. We have indeed. We've had a lot of very enjoyable people. One of my very good friends has been down several times, Tom Tining from oh. in uh, Massachusetts. And uh, Tom is always good for three or four laughs. That would be per minute. And uh, all is well <laughs> with that. But we, we've met a lot of people and, and had a lot of friends down, Mike. And you were one of the more notable <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I was I wasn't going to shut up until I knew every. I wanted to know everything. I just, you know, it was just so overwhelming. Um, well, you know, it's and the the thing with this podcast is, uh, and I can't help it because it's such a big part of my life. I, it's like every episode I talk about Peru in one form or another, even if it's just mentioning in, in passing. And uh, we also had. Um, uh, passed away. Um, Carl Switek, uh I don't know how many trips he made. I was with him on two trips. So. Uh, yeah, he made, I think, only two trips down there. The first one, he was barefoot. Uh, he he didn't realize what he was getting into. I had known he Carl. He bought flip-flops or something crazy well, I like think that? he did. He had flip-flops, and he, he was asking everybody to go into the forest and bring animals back for him to photograph uh, because <laughs> everything was flooded, and he didn't want to go down there. Uh, but I had met Carl back in the 1960s uh, when he was leaving Steinhardt Aquarium and going over to Africa for his and Australia for his uh, world trips. 
And uh, I was then offered the job at Steinhardt as uh, curator of mammals, I'm sorry, of reptiles. And uh, I went out there and stayed for three days in the midsummer. And uh, uh, it was a terrible weather. It, it never went above 60 degrees. I'm not sure I ever saw the sunshine. And I told the director of, of Steinhardt Aquarium at that time, I'm sorry, but I'm going back to my job in Florida. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Carl was a lot of fun, though. I I enjoyed... Uh, Burning enjoyed, daylight. Yeah. <laughs> I have this picture of Carl from the first trip. He's, I have this picture of him. He had gotten out of the shower, and you had a fur lance out. We were photographing it. And there's, there's Carl, and he's got a, a bath towel wrapped around his head. He's wearing a pair of shorts, and he's got flip-flops. And he's bent over, taking a picture of this... Fertilance and his towel is kind of like swinging down in front of him. <laughs> in other words, you were mooned. <laughs> well, no, he had shorts on. Thank, thank goodness for that. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun to to meet him and, and hang out with him and yeah. get to know him a little bit. And uh, um, we've had many notables down there, Mike, and they've I think they've all had good times. Yeah. I have, yeah. Thanks. And you yeah, came, you were one of the notables. <laughs> you came down in 2013, yeah. I did. That was a great trip. That was a that was a lot of good people on that trip. You, me, Carl Switek, and yeah. Bob Applegate, and Marissa, Marissa Ishimatsu was. Um, uh, think, uh, who else was on there? There's a bunch. We had like 18 people. Yeah, we had a lot John of people yeah, there. Yeah, that was a great trip. We get overbooked. Yeah. But, but the, all the people that were there were great. It was a lot, all the time. Most we had so many people that were sleeping in the in the kitchen. I on remember the floor. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, on the floor in the kitchen. We'll see. Oh, tents. Well. yeah. yeah. Hmm. But you know, it's still coming. If you want to have an adventure, be ready for an adventure. Let it happen yeah, you to know, you. So what do you sleep in the kitchen? When you're in the Amazon, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. That trip was notable for me, too, because uh, also uh, Doug Chronic and uh, yep, and uh, Travis Cassette. Cassette were on there, too. Mm -hmm. But yep. that trip was notable because uh, the Bushmaster. So yes. We got, uh, oh, yeah. The Bushmaster on that trip. Yes. And, uh, wow. Holy cow. That was that was amazing. And uh Experience and a half. A very different animal than what uh, Dittmars had portrayed them as in Thrills of the Naturalist Quest. Uh, yeah. His was uh, supposedly one of the more irate snakes known to history. And uh, actually, during the daytime, they're a relatively placid snake. Yeah. Uh, they, it's a different thing at night when they're, they're a nocturnal hunter. So you do have to use your watch your P's and Q's, but... They're not at all the, the formidable beasts that uh, Dittmars had portrayed them to be. Yeah, during the day, I mean, we're, we're still very careful. Oh, but, yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're a lot, they're, I don't want to call them a pussycat, but they're, <laughs> uh, uh, they, uh, they're, they are different during the day. You, you can at least maneuver them uh, for safety of our safety and the snake safety. You can maneuver them. Uh, to get photos and stuff without Devin walked by a eight footer lying on the on the side of the trail. He was within inches of it, uh, and he never saw it. And uh, one of the uh, native boys that was uh, accompanying him found the snake, came back and and got me, and we got the snake uh, back for photographs. But uh, the snake was just lying placidly and could care less what was going on. If he had been stepped on, it might have been a different thing, but. Uh, he was just just minding his own business. Wow, I hadn't heard that story before. Well, in terms of um, you've been you've been to uh, I know you don't like flying, so that, that's kind of limited places you've 
you've gone to, but you've been throughout Mexico and uh, you, you did go to Costa Rica as well, right? Uh, right. Was, uh, yeah. Both you went on your honeymoon, or you yes. went on your honeymoon, yeah. and, 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 and Dick was doing. <laughs> come see, come saw. What the heck? <laughs> I think I think that's funny the way he puts that. But uh, uh, did you travel quite a bit around Costa Rica? Was it? Or? We traveled from yellow gullied sea snakes. Sea snakes, right? Uh, to we very, hooked up with an animal collector. Right, Peter, Peter and, and his wife. Because we didn't Siegfried. have any idea where to go. We didn't have any idea how much it cost to rent a car. And we, so we hooked up with Peter Siegfried, who was going on one of his trips to pick up animals from his collectors. Uh-huh. And he was from Czechoslovakia and shipped animals back to Czechoslovakia. And wow. uh, so that uh, it worked out to so our advantage. So a very advantage. boring trip rapidly became very interesting. Yeah, wow. And th- is that your only trip there? Or have yeah. You- Okay. We went later with Bill Lamar, didn't we? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and he, he was collecting seeds. That things. was not the most memorable trip then. <laughs> well, no, the first one's always the most memorable. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, we did see a, a what, Louis Porras was on that second trip, and uh, we did see a uh, black-headed uh, Bushmaster. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, several of the various uh, Ferdinand's types, and the various pit vipers. Uh, Eyelash vipers. We we saw a lot of very nice things. And, and Louis Porras at the time was he involved in? Was he an animal collector? Was he yes, he was. Things? But he was not collecting down there. He was uh, a salesperson. He had a uh, a company out in Utah, I believe it was. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Sandy, I had known in Sandy, Utah, but I can't remember. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I had known Louis, of course, from the shed when he was down there with uh, with Joe. So. That, it was interesting to see him again. In terms of, um, there's there's still collecting going on. There's still animal importers and that. But that, that whole thing has changed quite a bit. It has, and there are a lot of laws that were never in in um, effect when back in the uh, before the turn of the century. It used to in 1960s we could import animals from Australia. And without any problem at all. And uh, you could buy a diamond python for less than $50. You could buy a, a stump-tailed skink for uh, about $15. Or what you did also mm-hmm. is you have it shipped to, uh, let's see, I'd be Mary Smith. Hold for pickup. And they'd call me and I'd come. They would call me. They'd call Mary Smith. And uh, you'd go pick it up and say, I'm Mary Smith. They never asked you for ID. they say, here's your package. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's eight o'clock. Very good. You could count that high now. <laughs> that many. This is not the first time we've had chimes on, on a recording. We were in Mexico and the church bell started going off. Oh. And, you know, From one of the big gold churches. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, like the big brass bong, bong, yeah. bong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Guys were making <laughs> joke, jokes about it. Yeah. Execution time and all that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. so <laughs> I'll take out some of the bongs. Uh, <laughs> speaking of bongs, yeah, uh, <laughs> no, uh, so it was very, it was very different back then in terms of latitude. Yeah. Borders were open, Mike. Yeah. You could get what you wanted. You, if you wanted a chimpanzee, they were in whatever pet stores you wanted to go in. Why would you ever want a chimpanzee? I didn't. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we 
can tell. You, some of us have purchased pets that turn out to be more work than we thought. Yeah. Like? Well, green iguanas. They're green iguanas, yeah. Yeah, they were a lot of work, and they grew. I'd still take a green iguana over a chimpanzee. Though. Oh, yeah. I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah. I tend to agree. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of monkeys uh, Period. much. Yeah, period. Uh, and like a capuchin is like, to me, the why would you own a, or try to own a capuchin? And I, I knew a guy who had his thumb bit off by a capuchin. And, and, and he just seemed like the most you know, unpredictable. And they are. Of, Capuchins of, are not noted for their even disposition. Yeah. But you remember in the back of the old outdoor magazines, squirrel monkeys sitting in a teacup, $19.95. From, <laughs> from Bill Chase, right? Wow. Or oh, Zoo, Zoo Safari. It was a safari place in New York City. Oh, that was Treflix and various other. And uh, there's, there there just were numerous ones. Anybody could be an importer yeah. those days. I just feel like you need to be a little smarter than your pet. And well, that would keep you with no pets. I know. And there, and there lies the problem. That's why you have cats. Right? And that's, the, that's why. Uh, did, did you bring your medications? <laughs> <laughs> I did bring my allergy meds, so good. Uh, it's time to stay with us. No cats. Yeah, but I, I, I'm married to a cat lady, so. Oh, are you really? Yeah. So no, good. No, no, so it's no surprise. Lady. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I like to say I, I'm, I wasn't a cat person, but I married one, so I am one. So actually, yeah. they're very nice animals. But yeah. Patty's allergic to them too, so we don't have any. Don't, don't tell Nell this, but I actually, they're okay. I like. Yeah, them. yeah I understand. <laughs> we won't tell her. <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, so the idea that people could be bringing in squirrel monkeys and any man, if you could catch it, people could bring it into the country. When That's I crazy. worked for a pet farm down in Miami back in uh, 1966 or somewhere in that area, Galapagos tortoises about the size of a football, $50. That's just amazing. Yep. And that was just one of many things. A Colombian, uh, they used to call them Colombian red-tailed boas, uh, would come in um, by the hundreds every year from, uh, every week, actually. And uh, there were uh, anacondas that came in and always, the babies are fine. The big ones always died. And finally, they found out that uh, one of the importers, uh, the reason the big ones are dying is because they had their stomach stuffed filled with heroin. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and in balloon type things. Wow! All kinds of wonderful things uh, used to happen. Uh, <laughs> a different time. Well, I don't know if that's well. I I do know that some of the importers, some of the or exporters, I should say, maybe some of the importers too. I don't know, but I know some of the exporters in other countries were involved in some of the the drug trade. The mm -hmm. the, uh, the uh, I can't think of the the guys in uh, Brazil, the brothers, the Treflix. No, Tre not Treflix. Uh, uh, Salikas. Salikas. Mike yeah. and Mike, yeah. yeah. But she used to, uh, Mike was partners with Trudy Jerkins in Tarpon Springs. And together they owned Tarpon Zoo, which is one of the major distributors of reptiles, amphibians, and small mammals back in the 1960s, 1970s. Uh, and Mike uh, was... Uh, uh, stationed down in Leticia, Colombia, uh, at a at a compound that he made down there, uh, and eventually, uh, I guess it was in nineteen, 
1970, I believe it was, I watched their airplane. They owned their own uh, DC-8, and uh, it flew in. And next thing I knew, there were uh, I was working at Tampa International Airport at the time. Uh, there were customs people all over the airport. Uh, they just brought the plane over to the back of the tarpon uh, to the uh, cargo building and uh, boarded it, and they found all kinds of wonderful drugs on that. Oh, my. And Mike went to jail from that, and Trudy did not go to jail because she claimed no knowledge of all of this. And it could have been. Uh, she uh, she might have, that might have been all unloaded before she ever saw the animals. So, but wow. it did happen. Yeah. Well, it's a, what do you call it? A crime of opportunity, right? This is true, I guess. So, you know, you can make X number of dollars. A lot more on dollars. that than you can on animals. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out how you get all of those balloons or packages down in Anaconda. You put them inside of an agouti or something? And or? it was, no, nope, it was just, you just stuff them down there and no agoutis. The Anaconda was probably dead when he was shipped and he was smelling by the time he got up to the states. Jeez. Holy cow. <laughs> it's an interesting world, is wow. it not? Yeah. yeah. Juan Baraki. He was quite a character. This this was the guy involved with that? Yeah. So did he ever get caught? Then? Oh, yes. Yeah, he did a little bit of time, too. Eventually, they all seem to fall the same way, but it's uh, it seems like the crime of opportunity. Yeah. The money was good, but eventually... Uh, well, you didn't have to spend much once you were in the jail, so I guess you're, whatever you made, you was yours. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, goodness well, me. Days cocaine cowboys and such. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. What I, I'm going to say this is because of the things you kept as a child and the, the books you read as a child. You, you have this uh, interest in, well, I'm going to say odd animals. You, you, you have a muntjac here. Um, yeah, and you've kept, well, you kept tortoises, and you have this and that. You have a, a selection of things. But what's the what's the nuttiest thing you ever tried to keep? Uh, My wife, besides Patty. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was she, coming. She kept you. Don't oh, get that wrong. I knew that was coming, so I was going to hit that on. <laughs> I really don't know whether I'd call anything nuttiest. Uh, I just, I have a a wide in, uh, but interest. But was not in a good idea. What was? The peccary was not a good idea. Oh, we had Percy the peccary. Emu, emu was not a good idea. What about the bull? We had a bull. Yeah, we did. We had Elmer the bull. That was before my time. Oh, yeah. Oh. The emu was Patty's time. Patty used to be six feet tall, but the, em the, uh, <laughs> the emu liked her barrettes that she used to wear and would smack her on top of the head. <laughs> and so she eventually is down to like five feet three. <laughs> <laughs> And when a car backfires, an emu can clear a six-foot fence. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> exactly we we went chasing that thing a few that times. That was a story in, in one sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. And then you were running down the road chasing the emu? Oh, yeah. And he, he went back to Singleton's then. I mean, you can't keep the poor thing. They're too big to cook. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Sorry. <laughs> Touch the nerve. <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving now. <laughs> Are you? This is your house. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know about emus and I don't know about peccaries. No, we used to bring up all kinds of mammals from from Colombia too. We had a cocker spaniel at one time that uh, wound up 
wearing a baby giant anteater on his back for, um, for about, uh, well, until the anteater was bigger than the Cocker Spaniel was. And uh, he just would hold on to the flops of skin on the Cocker and they'd walk around together. I'll be darned. What did, what did the ant eater? I mean, I know it ate ants, but... Well, they I, eat an egg concoction. Oh. Uh, so you can add a little bit of this and a little bit of that and wind up with a more than pal- palatable dish for them. Okay. I was just thinking it's it's like uh, it's like <laughs> trying to trying to have 5,000 horned lizards <laughs> and feeding them all. Oh, yeah. Those oh, were yeah. the good old days, right. <laughs> How do you get that many ants? Or catching that? mosquitoes for your pet bat. Ah, well, I tried that one. Can't you just put them on a string or something? And I guess. <laughs> whirl them around. It'd be great know. to have around you in the, in the jungle, in the forest. I think I'll get a <laughs> pair of Egyptian fruit bats just for the heck of it. That'd be the weird one. I'm, I'm still kind of, my mind's still kind of blown. I mean, I know about fruit bats, but I didn't know Egypt had fruit bats. There's probably hieroglyphics. Of how we too. miss the most important things on the earth? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I, I want to, uh, just for a minute, I want to talk to all, both you chaps, or, or you too, Patty, about Sasquatch. Oh, the, Sasquatch. The, the dog here. Um, Lucky. That's, so That's the initial name. Uh, we have, the, I, I should take a picture of Lucky and use him on the show because he's this big, lovable glute of a dog. But uh, how did how did Lucky come to... Jake and I were down hunting for chameleons one night, and about midnight, we ocelots, decided to come chameleons. home. Yeah, ocelots chameleons. Yep. In the Everglades. Uh, in Miami. Yep. And uh, so on the way... And this was, what, nine years ago? This, yeah, he's 10 years old now. 10 years ago. Yeah. So and, 2011. Uh, yeah. On the way home, I, I was driving. It was like, what, two in the morning or something? Yeah, we we, would just, we decided to give him one more pass. Yeah, and uh, so we were out, and Jake said, did you Rock see 20? that dog you just went by? Did you see those puppies? And I said, no, I didn't see any puppies. I saw a dog getting ready to chase a car. And he said, no, those are puppies. So I turned around and went back, and there was a pillow, a big pillow on the side of the road with five puppies on it. And on, so, it? on it, they had on been around, around it. Yeah, yeah, they were. Somebody had taken the dogs and tossed them out. They didn't want them anymore. They gave them a pillow and a bunch of Brazilian pepper berries to eat, and which they they thoroughly did. Which they did, and they were very sick for eating them. Yeah. Oh, but we found uh, that out later. Uh, I had to take four of them. Jake and I found a no-kill shelter, and uh, we had to. Uh, take four of them back, and on the fifth one, which was Lucky, who was sitting on the back seat of the car, decided <laughs> I was going to get a kiss when I reached in to take him out and told him it was his turn to go into the no-kill no shelter. And, uh, and He I was said, the only one smart enough to yeah. finagle himself over the other puppies, walk on their back, and jump over the back seat into uh, our lap, basically. And, and Dick that, said, and that should have been a sign. But Dick said, "That does it. You're going home with me." So that one came. So was it that snap? It, it was that. Yep. And he came back, and uh, he spent the night, his first night, in a motel with Jake and me in the Keys. And what in did we the find? Keys, we got a key yeah. ring next night. Yeah, we got a key ring neck and had a good time. We did. What? And a very, it was a very fancy hotel too. And I wasn't sure if they were allowed to have dogs. And the guy told us, "You bring that dog in. It's going to cost you twenty five dollars, but you don't leave him in the car." And of course, it peed on the carpet. 
And we're just like, okay, well, well, we paid twenty five. We paid twenty five dollars for, for exactly that pee. So <laughs> it's well, well worth. Well, you got your twenty five dollars exactly. So you might as well get the twenty five dollars worth. But yeah, so and he's been here ever since, Mike. And now he's nine hundred and seventy pounds, um, give or take. What is he really? 100? He's a big dog. He's right at a hundred. And you, uh, you, Jake, <laughs> estimated at the time that he would be about thirty pounds, according to Dick. Oh. I didn't. It, it, well, it was only the size of my foot. I was like, this, this dog cannot get big. It was, it was the tiniest dog. And I was like, well, it can't get very big. Apparently, the genealogy tricked me, which Patty went and got done on the dog. Well, I wanted to know what I was getting into. Not that it made any difference. It's too late already. Yeah, too late. too late. But I just thought, well, maybe I should know what his background is. <laughs> okay. So, so, so you, you had... We had his DNA, DNA done. And he's 25% German Shepherd and 25% Doberman Pinscher. And the other 50% is Chow, Southern Florida, remember, Pitbull, Bull Mastiff, and Rottweiler. That's like, that's like 175%. That can't, that doesn't it's, it's, No, it's, it's 13, well, 13 and a half percent for that last 50. The 50 oh, was all okay. mixed yeah. in. Yeah. I, I wasn't good at math. So. Uh, 12 and a half percent. <laughs> and this was down in like the Redlands area of Florida. So there was, yeah, wow. it was, and it was well away from anybody. They had dumped it far out in the middle of nowhere. And these dogs were not going to survive. And we found out they had eaten uh, Brazilian berries, not by the fact that they were around, but by what they puked up later. Oh, yeah. And we found them in the car, and it was—you could tell they'd eaten a lot of Brazilian berries, which are not palatable for dogs, I, I assume. And we found out. Wow. And okay. ten years later, the dog is still here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not lucky anymore. It was a lucky dog at the time. Now it is a Sasquatch because it grew into that name. He is huge. Big he's dog. a big boy. Yeah. But he's sweet. He's a sweet dog. Fortunately, he, yeah. He is a very, very great doggonality. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just amazed that we live in an age where you can have a DNA test done on your dog. <laughs> Isn't it? Doesn't it sound like the most yuppie thing you could ever do? <laughs> so bougie. I mean, if so I lived bougie. in New York State, it couldn't be more yuppie. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you know, I mean, I'm looking around, eyeing the other animals and thinking, <laughs> The rabbit is the rabbit is twenty five percent Flemish, twenty five percent Easter Bunny, one percent snowshoe. What percent is the mud jack? One hundred percent. I guess that's the only hundred percenter we got. Yeah, one hundred percent correct. That's right. Wow. Well, it's no difference in doing your own genealogy, and you find out that you're Scottish and English. Yes. And you think, well, I'll be darned. Uh, I'm also. I also have a sliver of Scandinavian. Isn't that a kick in the head? Um, a visiting all kinds Viking. Of, you know, you know the Viking vacation thing. The, the, you know that not so good thing that happened to one of my ancestors uh, well, ends up in my DNA profile. It's just isn't that amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just, just amazing. pondering in the plunge. Yeah, Boy, if you could go back yeah. in time, you'd go back. You know. Yeah, it's quite a shock. Uh, it was not a shock to find out I have no Native American in me. Yeah. But, you know, most people think they have, or say they have. Yeah. Names, you know. I didn't, I didn't think we did, but... You were willing to be surprised. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But you weren't. Hey, that's okay. But it's cool. You can do it for dogs. And probably cats, too, I guess. I would guess. Yeah. Cats would let you. But, uh, They're not interested. Daddy pulled it off. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all out of questions. <laughs> we had a good time. Which Thank is a you. good thing, because we're all out of stories. <laughs> Are we? Entirely I know that's not you. This guy can go all night. These are the stories. These are the things that... The, I've heard a lot of these stories in the past, obviously, but... I'm the improper depository of these stories. Well, let's talk about that for a minute, too, because 
uh, it, Dick, it, you've had a number of what I would call car partners over the years. You've had Gordy right. and, and Ron and, and Denny and, and Jake, and you've had Kenny Ray. And so it's trickled down to me. Uh, and so what have you been doing to run these people off? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I invoke the fifth. <laughs> Uh, the, the thing that runs them off, I think, is because I get happy when I'm on a trip and I just sing in yodel all the way, uh, country music from 1950s. Yes, and- he does. I, I, know, I always know when we're in West Texas, because as soon as we get over that line in West Texas, uh, Marty Robbins comes on the radio. Oh, yeah. We hear a little Marty Robbins. That's how, and then, and, uh, Hank Snow. Hank Snow. Yeah, Ernie yeah, Tubb. Yep. And then I know. I'm like, oh, Yodeling Slim Clark. We're here. We're in Texas. <laughs> Not just the smell of the creosote, it's the, it's the Marty Robin, just the whole experience. <laughs> so, Over, overload of sensory. So you guys uh, you guys have been all over the United States. Yeah. Uh, you've done some herping trips. You, you you guys, you go to West Texas, right? A lot, yeah. Where else have you gone? Arizona, California. We went to California twice in one year. Utah. Uh, went to Utah twice in one Arizona, year. Arizona, of course, on the way. And uh, looking for, well, the California trips, we were looking for both lizards and one of the uh, introduced jays, the black-throated magpie jay. Oh, okay. And so we didn't find it the first time. So Jake happened to be taking a nap the second time. And next thing he knew, we were back in California. <laughs> we were there again. Um, and we, um, we managed to find the jay. But we found other things as well. We found the alligator lizards. And- right. And, you know, fence lizards and things like that. You know, and Didn't the, we find a, uh, a rattlesnake on one a of A Southern Pacific trip? rattlesnake, yeah. 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 And it was just a day trip, and we, we were already in Anza Borrego area, and we decided, hey, we're going to go out to San Diego for the day and see what we can find. And um, So it's herping and birding. Herping, yeah. Well, he was birding. Uh, I was looking down, he was looking up, and I found the, the snakes and the lizards, and he found these ridiculous jays. And a sunset. And a, and that that is <laughs> that's something we shouldn't mention. <laughs> Dick loves his sunsets. Let me tell you, it's so a, you have pictures of many sunsets. I have many pictures of many sunsets, and I still know for a fact he likes sunsets to a degree. He loves to poke at me more. He knows that he pushes your buttons. He knows that sunset is the herping hour. It's the witching hour to be herping, okay. and he knows that this is going to be. You're going to go, Jake. Right. Tell me the truth. You can tell me right now on this podcast. Oh, Jake, I would never do that. And you know that. <laughs> you're, you're running out of time over here? No, I'm good. Oh, okay. Because Dick can just keep going. No, I have nothing more to say. <laughs> I'm over and done. I'm going to ask you about one more road trip. And that's the, the dangest thing I've ever heard of is going to Minnesota in the middle of winter. Oh, this you can take a lead on that one. This involves birding. No, yeah, uh, Jake likes to travel northward. He misses Maine, which is his home state. That's true. So he usually talks me into going up to Meadowlands, Minnesota, every winter, uh, which is right in the middle of the North Woods. And we go Zimbabwe. looking for owls, and yeah. at Saks Bog. Uh, this last trip, we went up there. We saw uh, various interesting things. We saw Jake saw a wolf, or at least he claims he did. <laughs> and uh, we saw Hi, Ermine, Martin. and we saw we, 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 Pine we, Martin. Ma- Pine Martins, Martins yeah. yeah. We we uh, in the parking lot of the nature center, the welcome center. We what did we do? We found what an to, ermine. Two ermine, right? That's right. And it was eating a chunk of deer deer meat, and it was running across the parking lot. 
and it hopping up and down the tires of the cars that were parked in there. And it was just the damnedest thing to it was, it was the coolest thing to see. And we, you know, and again, it wasn't a herp, but there was no herps to be seen. So you might as well take advantage of what you have around you. But we did see snow fleas. <laughs> that is a thing. Snow fleas? It's a thing. A copepod. Yeah, it's a real thing, and I didn't know about it. They emerged basically at the first thaw. Right. And it was negative 25, negative 30, with a wind chill of like negative 50, yeah, 60. Yeah, we had a, like a, and uh, Clinton took us into the woods after woodpeckers and great gray owls. Well, he, took, he parked on the side of the road, and of course he was dressed appropriately, right? We were dressed in not appropriate gear. And he hiked out and he said, I think I hear woodpecker. I'm like, oh, well, that sounds great. He gets out and just takes off into the woods. And this there's, what, two feet, three feet of snow? Then he came back and he said, you need to go see this. It's a three-toed woodpecker. And we did go see that. We almost died on the way in and the way out. <laughs> we get back in the car. We're like, I'm glad we saw it. However, I have no toes. It was yeah. very cold. And then Jake and, and Clinton went and played on the shores of Lake Superior and the ice flows there and just... Just had a wonderful time. Yeah, and it's it's a drive. It's it's a, it's a very long drive from Florida. From Florida, overnight we just go overnight. We go all the way up. We get there the next day. To no amazing. Yeah, and that's how we do all our trips, basically. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We don't stop until we get to the place that we're aiming for. Yeah, a lot of bike catch along the way. Sometimes. If you're aiming for Maine, Minnesota <laughs> is a big miss. I'm just going to tell well, you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. It's only Wait, the cold that reminds me. I've been wondering about that for a long time, Mike. <laughs> I'm not, see, it's this Garmin, this dang GPS. Oh, they never send you the right direction, do they? Anyway, but. Hey, it's me. The show's not over. I just had to stop at this spot and change batteries in the recorder. And so there's a sudden lack of continuity that I need to account for. Uh, and so when I fade this out and start the second part, uh, you'll hear Dick taking the show in a somewhat different direction. And maybe now with this little bridge, it will make more sense. I hope. Song about Jake back in the 1950s. I won't go hunting with you, Jake, but I'll go chasing women. Go put the hounds back in the pen and quit your silly grinning. The moon is bright and I'm half tight. The night is just beginning. I won't go hunting with you, Jake, but I'll go chasing women. <laughs> Life is way too short, but I think it's drawing. Too we have always done, only done. We have never chased any women. <laughs> Let's just get that straight out of there, quick and clear. No uh, women have been chased. We have gone know. hunting. Okay, what would you do if you caught one? In the world? I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to do. I would probably run away. Well, I think I think it's amazing that you. How do you end up in a place where it's okay to drive to Minnesota? In the middle of winter. I mean, mentally, I mean, is that is there something missing, <laughs> or is there, or what? How do you end up in the state yeah. of mind where it's like no big deal going to Minnesota? You're looking for great gray owls. You're looking for boreal owls. You're looking for snowy owls. You're That's looking for go. ermine. He didn't say what we were looking for. He asked why. We're looking well, now for. I understand. Okay, well, so there's no, there's no why not. No, there why actually yeah, it is. I will say it's a lot of, it, he, he has to convince me every year to do it, or well, times we've gone. But once I'm up there, I really do enjoy it. Uh, it's, a, it's entirely the opposite of herping. It's, I mean, it, it, you couldn't be any more opposite. It's, you wake up in the crack of dawn, and you go herping, I mean, you go birding, sorry, that slipped, and 
you come back way before dark or like just before dark, which up there dark is what, four o'clock? Four o'clock, yeah. right. And you're back and you're back in the hotel sleeping at like five o'clock at night. When in opposite and herping, you're you're sleeping all day, from the, you know, especially from and the taking desert. taking pictures of the sunset. And, and, and some people are taking pictures of sunsets while you're supposed to be herping. And then you're herping all night. It's like the opposite. So it's it's a very... And you're looking up. Contrast. Versus looking down. And we still up. have to go back to see the northern lights, Mike. Oh, you haven't seen We missed those this last trip. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. That was one of the things we wanted to see. And there's actually a website where you can go on and it'll tell you what the chances are of seeing it. And every time we're up there, it's on the other side of the earth. It's like a little a little bulge going down the wrong side and down to China. And, and moose. And Russia. And moose. We did see a moose. We saw a moose up there last trip. It was that was that was Dick's plight. Yeah. Been up there too, Patty? Oh yeah. Patty almost disappeared in the snowbank. Uh, she uh, made a. She was looking at lichen growing on the side of a tree, and she made one step too far and found out there was a four foot ditch. Uh, at this, uh, immediately at the edge of the road. She did not look amused. Yeah, but it's <laughs> so gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. And the hotels, of course, cater to birders because birders come in the dead of winter when they're not doing any other business. Oh, okay. Huge. Right. And Huge. Uh, birders go all year round. But the winter birders, they really love. Big signs on the side of the road, Mike. Meadowlands welcomes birders. Complete contrast to herping yet again. <laughs> We never get signs wel welcoming us. No, welcome herpers. So it's it's definitely a, it's a definitely a good front to have as a herper to have a little bit of knowledge of birding. It's eight thirty. Wow. Because if you know a lot about birds, or at least have some kind of knowledge about birds, you can kind of use that as a your cover and your front. Because herpers aren't welcome in a lot of places, are they? And if you walk into like a Denny's or something with binoculars around your neck, yep. Other birders will find you. Do you get free pie or something? No, just you know, it, it pulls in other birders. Okay. It's, what'd you see? <laughs> oh. What'd you okay. see? It's and like, in, in uh, Sac Zim, it is world famous, and guys come from Japan with lenses like this on their cameras to see the owls. Yeah. And they are just... Agog. Agog. Yeah. And they're in heaven is what they are. And they yeah. just can't believe their eyes, but they're still taking pictures. Well, I, I've seen, I think, both of your pictures of the great gray owl and... It's it's a sexy beast. I have to say it's it's it's, it's the lovely. big draw. It's the big draw for the owls up north. It, uh, and but the funny thing is that they're one of the more common birds up there. One of the more common. It's the most common common owl for sure. And we managed to see two boreal owls, which are full grown at this size, and a soft wet so on one of the inches, trips up yeah. there. So they're yeah. saw wet size. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're balls. smaller than a saw wet. Soft, bite, smaller yeah. than a saw. Just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we saw Ooh. those. Yeah. You know what amazes me about burgers, too? Well, ma many things amaze me about burgers, but and I try to make fun of them on the show all the time. Uh, <laughs> you have to. It's so easy. Yeah. Like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> but, uh, one of the things that amazes me is how many herps they see that you don't see. You know, walking along, like I'm in the palm forest in South Texas, and I'm looking for the, the speckled racer, as one does, and I meet this burger, and the... He's like, what, what's up with you? And I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm here looking for snakes and stuff. So, well, I saw these really cool, they call them a speckled racer. And I just sat there for 20 minutes and watched it forage along the bank. It's right over there. And of course, when I get over there, the snake is, you know, long, long gone. gone. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. So, 
Wow. You see so I told him, well, I saw a great gray owl. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Just down the roadside. <laughs> and uh, he had a couple saw with on his shoulder. So. Right, right. For them, that would be yeah. poking the bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, one time, one time. I, I ran to a guy also in te- at Santa Ana, which is the one down the border. Yeah. Yep. I ran to a, a guy down there, and he asked me if what, had I had seen anything cool. And I, I meant to say, yeah, I saw uh, a couple of Harris hawks, which are Harris are the big rusty red things. Right. They, they're communal hawks. They live in, they have gangs. You know, you can be in the, the Harris hawk gang. <laughs> uh, and what came out of my mouth was zone tail hawk. I don't know why, but I meant to say that Harris. That caught somebody's attention. You got it. You got some eyes. And I thought yeah. he was going to wet himself right there. <laughs> and, and he's like, what? And he's just, his voice went up an octave and he was like, what? Where? Well, and I'm oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I meant Harris Hawk. And the look he gave me, I'm glad he didn't have anything sharp because I think he would have poked me. I think he would have punctured me with you'll it. You'll see. You'll see on Harris Hawks across the street, maybe, oh, right? Oh, man. Oh, you get him here? No. 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 Not here? What's the occasional hawk we see there that's always so low? It's always so low? Like Marsh Hawk. Marsh Hawk, maybe. The, the red, the Harrier. Harrier, there we go. Yeah. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, Marsh Hawk's Harrier. Sorry. Yeah. See that's a, that's that's me, and when I open my mouth around birders, they they give me this disgusted look, like, "Oh, bro, are you but, sure that's what you saw?" But you can understand how they feel because you feel the same sure. way about reptiles. Yeah, like, drop yeah. everything and go. Well, think right how many now. times somebody sees something, it's like, "I just saw this," and they say they'll say some random snake, and you're like, "No, that can't be it." No, but it looked like this. That's what I saw. It was a rattlesnake, six feet long, and. It's, you know, a it, garter snake, three inches long. That's fair. It's yeah. the same thing. Right. It's right. the same thing. Right. right. <laughs> Confusion. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to say thanks uh, to Dick and Patty and Jake, all three of you, for sitting down with me. And, and Dick, I know at the beginning of this, you, you, when I talked to you on the phone, you were kind of wondering what, what we might talk about. So I, I think we, we managed to talk about a few things. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're well, good, though, Mike. Whether you like it or yeah, not. So. You're we, good. We did. You managed to, you managed to re- make them regurgitate a few things. Mm-hmm. So Owl pellets. Uh, yeah, they're owl pellets. <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be a trick. <laughs> that would be a trick. <laughs> so, oh, well, I'll blame it all on Jake. <laughs> I got broad shoulders. But thanks again, guys. I appreciate it. We enjoyed Thank it. Thank you for and coming, Mike. Thank you, Mike. It's been yeah. great seeing you. Well, I hope I get to see you again. Uh, across the street on Saturday, you said? No, he's going, going to be tomorrow. looking for... Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow across the street, and then uh, the uh, hog nose on Saturday, is it? Yeah, yeah, we're going to be oh, cool. doing I hope it's an October a, thing. I hope it You're coming, too. Works. Getting Dick to come, too. We can all go. What, do I meet you up by I'll there? I'll you up or something. We'll make it work. Mm. Sounds like fun. It'll be a fun trip. But tomorrow. it's great to talk to all three of you. I mean, it's... You well, know, it's fun to, it's just, to bounce stories off each other. Yeah, that's that's the thing I, I love yeah. about it. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's got a perspective, and uh, <laughs> it, it's fun to uh, to hear the other side of the story. Boy, we had some great times in Peru, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable lifetime stuff. Going back soon, soon. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it's all. Everything I think out. things are straightened out down there now. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. So you you'll be going back. I think yeah, January. I'm scheduled to go back in January, so yeah. See how Fingers crossed, dude. Yeah. Have you got a crew uh, or a, a group together? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we canceled last year's trip, so most of the people from last year are oh super, this super year. good, good, so yeah. good, good. And uh, some of them are some of my local buddies. 
uh, from Illinois and Indiana. And, oh, perfect. Uh, uh, our Herpers? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. So, uh, going to bring some of those guys are coming down. Open their horizon. Yeah, that's that's oh, yeah. the fun part, too, is, is having people you know come down there and their yeah. minds just sort of... Well, like with Rick and Pauline, them loving insects. Or you know, oh, someone, yeah, comes, someone who ball. loves plants and you're eating dinner and they come in and say, stop eating. Well, it no, really stop opens, eating. It really and he says, your, come with me. Open up your broad... Yes. Like, if you can go to the Amazon, I can go anywhere. And then he shows you a plant yeah, this yeah. high, and he says, I've waited 50 years to see this plant. Sure. I'm going, whoa. Couldn't it have waited until the end of dinner? And then we take our pictures, and then we go back to dinner, and we're supremely happy. Yeah, plants. Wow. Because for some people, they waited their entire life to see some of this stuff. Right, yeah. Well, you yeah. did. Sure. You waited yeah. 40 years before, you saw, long, you, before yeah. you saw your first Bushmaster. Yeah. yeah. And man, I, it, when I was doing history, whenever I could put some historical facts together and realize what had really happened. It's almost like I'm hearing music because it fits so well. I think, ah, oh, okay. I can't tell you what the song is, but I hear music. Same thing. When you see a Bushmaster for the first time, everything is picture perfect. <laughs> the moment yeah. is frozen. And there's music playing. No, there's a song in there, I'm sure, somewhere. It's just, you can't oh, say what it was. It's a country song that fits any aspect. Of okay, very we, nice. We, wait, wait, wait. We can, we, can, we can take this off with Dick singing a song. <laughs> what country western? Dog, he's this? got some, he's got, oh my goodness, let me just tell you. Let me, no, he's gonna always push the microphone away. It, it's gone. <laughs> I've got some recordings, Mike. You can use. Do you know my favorite one? My favorite uh, uh, of, of that. Uh, I don't want to call it old timey, but that of that yeah, yeah, age old-timey. group. They're old timey. Is uh, uh, oh shoot, Chet Atkins and uh, oh gosh, I can't think of his name now. Uh, they have a song called "Don't You Monkey Around My Witter When I'm Gone." You know that one. <laughs> I know that it exists. I don't know. <laughs> Chet Atkins was a with the guitar. The this uh, was not my favorite person. I like the old strumming. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Chet was fancy. He was he fancy really with was. that guitar. Yeah, he's got a Rolodex. Of oh, Doc songs. Watson. Doc Chet Atkins and That's Doc right. Watson. Yeah. Don't your monkey around my witter when I'm gone. I'll <laughs> I'll come back and haunt you. Is the really? I've never heard you that one. Duck, Duck, Doc Watson albums. You got everything else. <laughs> you got a, yeah. He's got a CD case the size of. A small car. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to cut it off. Here. Let's cut it off. Okay. Mike, Thanks again, folks. Thank you, Mike. So Mike, thank you for having me. I hope you have a fabulous time while you're down here. No, thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, stay with poison ivy. That's a good one. That's a good. That's good. Good advice. <laughs> I don't get poison ivy. I mean, I get it, but I don't. He understands. He understands. Understand but doesn't it. get it. <laughs> one of us used to not get poison ivy, and then one of us became extremely allergic to poison ivy. I, I hear I that. Had it in the last couple of years. Remember poison wind in the keys? Yeah. Come out of out of the out of the poison. Looking for those key ring next days coming out. For, and you didn't know the poison wind. I didn't know it was there, and I was bushwhacking through the stuff, like swimming through it. I come up then a week later. I'm covered head to. T- I had to miss school because I was covered head to toe in poison wood blisters. Oh, is that that? Machineal stuff. Yeah, Machineal. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Poison wood. Yeah. And yeah. And that's the stuff they would. They would. They, what would they do? They bury their the Native Americans Native down there. Yep. Bury their 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 enemies below it. And when the rain would would rain, a sap would drip down onto them, and it would burn them. It would just. It's just. Yeah. It was a horrible way to die, or at least <laughs> I, I can almost I can relate. Believe me. So uh, you, you've got some poison wood on you, Mike. You want to see the funniest thing in the world? Wood. Do you know that this guy can levitate? <laughs> <laughs> no. We were over in Bimini, and uh, Jake, we were looking for Bimini boas, and all of a sudden I hear, ah! 
what in the hell is going on? Jake had managed to find a four foot high. All of four feet. All of four feet yeah. high hill of fire ants. Oh my gosh. And break through the surface and he was down up to this deep in fire ants. Couldn't get oh, out. Oh, and he oh. couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. And Dick, instead of instead of helping Wait, me. You were up to your... Yes. Was that, it was, so it was like a, 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 a bush hill where they dumped a bunch of, yeah. you know, cuttings and, and shrubs and, and the, the sand was on top of it. So almost to your armpits. Yeah, it was down to my belly button at least. And it was wonderful. Well, he was just <laughs> laughing the entire time. Instead of helping me, instead of, oh, Jake, let me give you, throw me a stick, something. No, he was like, oh, keeled over, laughing at me. And I'm just trying, and, I'm, and of course, I'm scra- as I scramble to get out, I'm on my stomach. And there's ants on my head, and they're all over me. And I, I lost my shoes. You Your wonder, shoes are in the ant And I didn't go back and get them. They stayed there. Probably still in that You wonder hill. why I take Jake on trips? It's a <laughs> never-ending source of hilarity. Jake, what'd you do? Did you just brush them off like crazy? Oh, yeah, like crazy. <laughs> like cra- I stripped my pants off. My sh- Everything. I, I look like a crazy. People in Bimini, they're still talking stories about that. Remember that time that crazy dude took off his clothes and ran yeah. around waving him? Dennis, Dennis Cathcart did the same thing. Oh, Dennis and I and Patty and Darius were over in Vero uh, Beach looking for yellow rat snakes. Under bridges at night. Under bridges at night. And uh, Dennis then had stepped on an alligator about 10 feet long that was submerged. The alligator took off. Dennis went into the air. So <laughs> then he, he uh, came back out and he had to change clothes. So we're standing on the side of Route 60, pretty well trafficked road and Dennis is naked just standing there and he's trying to get his clothes on he's over not, he's his got head. A, he's got a t-shirt in his hand. You he had a t-shirt trying to get on. A smaller. So you got the t-shirt and we're on part on a corner. So he's ho- holding a t-shirt like this. The, we're parked on a corner. He's over here. The car comes down here. He is silhouetted in the headlights and he's got the t-shirt in his hands. So what does he do? He covers his face. <laughs> he covers his face. Instead of his nether regions? Yes. <laughs> he's he's because he didn't want anyone to know who he was. He said exactly right. <laughs> Actually, I think that's pretty smart. Uh, like a By the way, Dennis is just writing a fantastic book on herping. On his adventures. Really? Yeah. That's going to be Oh, great. wow. Yep. He should be at Kanapa this weekend, maybe. I doubt it. Oh, he doesn't oh, there, there is a botanical gardens festival this weekend. Yeah, in case you like plants. Oh, you scoot your I can, story. They <laughs> can't outrun me, so well, yeah. And Mike, our friend Mike, will be there with his ice cream truck, probably. I don't know. Life is fun. Life is fun. Yeah. There's too many. To we have a lot more fun than some people. You, you could fill up, up. Oh, you yeah. could fill up about sixteen of those devices with all the stories. <laughs> that was a good one. I thought we were done, and that one just kept there, Oh my yeah. goodness! I never heard that from you, Jake, about the ants. Ah, uh, that was a fun one. Oh, I love Bimini was a fun. That's fun. Jake, did you break out in pustules? Oh yes, yes. There were uh, I was little white dots all over me, and it was very uncomfortable for a long time. Our first date, Dick took me into the storm sewers of St. Pete to look for Ampiuma. <laughs> and a I romantic thought, romantic fool. Isn't well, he? frankly, I thought he was probably the most interesting person I'd ever met. There you go. Okay. And after we were an unsuccessful trip, but having seen the movie Them. <laughs> Remember the ants yeah. in the storm sewers of L.A.? Uh, 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 I am really careful about that storm sewer, and I'm listening <laughs> for you, those ants. You knew you had a keeper then. You remember this about the movie Them, the sound the ants made? Yeah, the Pacific yes. tree frog. Was, was spring peepers. Well, yeah. Well, I yeah. was still outside. 
So three days later, we obviously got back out of the storm sewer safe. Three days later, I've got these little pustules all over my legs. I'm thinking, that water was really dirty. But it's fire ant bite. My first, my first, well, stings. My first experience with fire ants. But yeah, I thought it was a romantic that is pool. The, that is the best first date story I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, if you want her, then you must take her somewhere she's never been before. Mamas and papas. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Long engages won't get you where you want to go. <laughs> Words of love, so soft and tender. Yes, that's, dear. That's going to be in your mind all night. Oh, man. <laughs> I haven't thought about that for a long time. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, man. The first place Dick ever brought me was looking for uh, Nerodia Clarki Tineata. Remember that? And you were I don't even know what it is. Why would I remember it? Atlantic salt marsh snake. <laughs> In, uh, into an area where Vibrio, which is the uh, necrotizing fasciatus, the flesh-eating virus, where somebody died about a year later, the same exact spot. That's right. Yeah. And we were looking... But you, you made it. We made it, and we found the snake. We did. Yeah. And you, all, and you were stuck up to your waist, and you somehow managed to hit your uh, camera, and your bottom part of your camera where the memory card slot was, and you opened it, and it fallen into the muck. And so you couldn't take a photo of <laughs> it. The snake in situ on the branch. Is life too short? On, on the mangrove branch. This happens. And this and this is the first time we went, one of the first, it might have been the first time. And I was, and at the time I knew, I was like, this has got to be it. Because <laughs> I know this was hilarious. <laughs> and I didn't help you either, so. Did you like come from work or something? You were in work clothes or? Oh, entirely. Yeah. So he picked me up in the parking lot at work and I didn't, and he said, do you want to go herping with me this evening? And I go, sure. Well, we didn't have any time to go back to my house. So I was wearing, at the time, I worked in a cubicle, and I was Jake from State Farm. Basically, I had khakis and a collared shirt and dress shoes to go herping out into the salt marsh. <laughs> and I ruined those shoes. Gee. Like a sandstorm. And I, didn't, and I literally, <laughs> lick. the next day I went to work, I remember I wore those same shoes, because that's all I had that were dress shoes. <laughs> and they were still sloggy and smelled like, <laughs> like, like a dirty mangrove. <laughs> and it was all worth it. It was all worth it. But yeah, so, on our, our tombstones, it was it, all worth it. Jake's shoes have been in some interesting places, ant hills. <laughs> I never mangrove. I never keep the same those, pair of shoes very yeah, long. Yeah, those pair of shoes are there. They're still there. Yeah, they are. One I of them, they're one. Yeah, well, I threw. I said screw it. They can, both. They can, they can have them both. <laughs> <laughs> so and and that that was like, oh, I'm, I I want to go herping with this guy because yeah, I knew that was the I knew that was the time. I knew that was it. I was like, this has got me hooked and. And it never, and well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it turned out to be a pretty good thing, I guess. We've enjoyed our company ever, our companies ever since, right? I think we did. Good thing you guys live in the same town. That does help. It does help. Yeah. Or it's, it's convenient. Yeah. Convenient. Yeah. That's what he says. He's like, you're convenient. That's what he tells me. <laughs> Not since you moved, though. <laughs> you're becoming more inconvenient all uh, the time. Oh, Dick. Yes, I know. Okay. Right. Anyway, anyway, I'm sorry we kept we just kept blabbering here. Part of the fun. Quite all right. Thanks again, folks. And we'll bring it to a close now. Hey there, me again. I had so much fun recording this session, and I want to thank Dick and Patty and Jake uh, for making it so. And thanks to Patty as well for the delicious cookies. And just to be serious for a moment, I love my part-time Peruvian herp guide gig and uh I just want to, again, express my gratitude to Dick for making that happen. Uh, working as a guide has enriched my life in so many ways. I can't begin to tell you. 
I've made a lot of friends along the way, and I've had so many great adventures. So thank you, Mr. Bartlett. Much appreciated. That's it for episode 52. Thanks once again to Dick and Patty and Jake for one super fun evening. It was so good to see you all again. And thanks once again to Alicia Ballard for supporting the show. And uh, thanks, as always, to all of the So Much Pingle patrons. And if you would like to kick in a few bucks, you can do so via Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash so much pingle. And so much pingle is just one word. And you can also make one-time contributions via PayPal or Venmo. Just drop me an email to so much pingle at gmail.com for more details. And don't forget that you can find all of the recorded episodes and show notes at so muchpingle.com. And you can also join the So Much Pingle Facebook group to follow the show and interact with me and some of my guests. And last but not least, you can reach me directly via email at so muchpingle at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And until we meet again, please take good care of yourselves and don't forget to hurt better. <laughs>